0: The following audio is from a sermon series on the book of Ecclesiastes, taking a long look at life under the sun. For more information about Sacred City
1: Church, please visit scmoline.com. Hear the word of the Lord from Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 15. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow, A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. What has been driven away? This is the word of the Lord.
0: Well, good morning. So, did did we read the right text? Mine says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And I have a little asterisk and it says, except decaf. I didn't... I didn't see that on there, but uh, we'll go on anyway, but uh, I'm glad you're here today. Again, my name is Jeff. Uh, I am a husband of Alicia for about 14 years now, uh, and I have three children. I have a 13-year-old son, a 10-year-old son, and a 15-month-old little girl. So I really just tell you that to let you better know how to pray for me, because um, we're in kind of this season of life with a 13-year-old where we're very like, emotionally exhausted, Uh, And then we're very physically exhausted with the 15-month-old. And the 10-year-old, he just kind of blends in. So he's, he's around somewhere. Uh, we're, we're just not sure where, um, but that's just uh, the season of life that we're in, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is, is seasons of life, but uh, I'm sure as many of you uh, were having the text read this morning that you kind of heard some familiar words in the midst of that. Uh, in 1965, some of us, maybe like three of us in the room, might remember uh, that the birds produced a song called Turn, Turn, Turn. Uh, and as they produced that song, it became a uh, Billboard Top 100 hit here in the states. Uh, and our brethren up in Canada liked it so much it actually went to number three uh, on the Billboard charts up in uh, Canada. So they liked it a bit more than us. But uh, there, in 1965, some of the history buffs in the room might remember that there was a lot going on uh, here in the states, uh, from uh, from fun things to things that were troubling for us. Like in 1965, the Cub fans in the room might remember that Sandy Koufax pitched a perfect game in 1965. For others in the room, it might be a time of recalling that we were kind of at the front end of the Vietnam War. There was a lot going on. We were also at the height of the Civil Rights Movement here in the States. And then uh, a little-known fact of things that was going on, Cubans for the first time began migrating to the U.S., as well so our borders opened up to more people to come in uh... and and that year alone two hundred thousand cubans were able to uh... immigrate to the states and it was a time of change it was a time of kind of chaos it was a time of uh... just things going on that we weren't really familiar with that the states hadn't uh, necessarily gone through in quite a bit of time so the bird song was actually in a sense a really timely song uh... and then the writer of the song was a guy named pete Seeger, and pete said that he actually wrote the song Uh, Well, he can't really take credit for writing the songs. Pete wrote the song, uh, which was verbatim, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, except for six words. The only six words that Pete added to the song was, I swear it's not too late. And Pete would later go on to say that uh, when he was writing the song, that it was a cry for peace. That he wrote it as a plea to friends and family and anybody that would listen to, to long for peace, to desire peace in the way that he wanted it and, and that he, he desired things to be. And uh, so it was a timely song. But for us, as we sit here as believers today, centuries before Pete ever sat down and pinned those words down, uh, Solomon grabbed a glass of sweet tea. Uh, and he went out to his front porch and sat on the rocker. And he looked over all the land that he owned and all, looked over his life and surveyed it. And he penned down the words of Ecclesiastes. But before he got to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes chapter 1. That's kind of how writing works, like one chapter at a time. So in chapter 1, Solomon starts with these words. He says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. These are really encouraging words, right? Like as we look out and we're like, man, I should go to Solomon for wisdom. He's the smartest, wisest man to ever live. We should go to him and look to what Solomon has to say about life, and then I'll know how to arrive. I'll know how to uh, come to the place where I want to be in life. And Solomon, the man with it all, sums it up in these three brief words. All the work all the striving, all the stuff, all the late nights, all the tears, all the early mornings, all the laughter, all the pain, and everything else in between, Solomon sums up as all is vanity. What an encouraging message. All throughout history, people have looked to Solomon for wisdom as to how to arrive, and were met with the words, all is vanity. Now, as we live in a day and age of self-help gurus and life coaches and uh, everything in between, the self-help section of bookstores uh, now is changing on almost a monthly basis because another new book is coming out. A strategy not used by any life coach or any motivational speaker is to title their book, All is Vanity. No life coach that you call up is going to say, hey, I know what your problem is. All is vanity. You see, it's not a good marketing strategy. It's probably not going to end up on many coffee cups. You're probably not going to see it on many teachers' posters as you walk into their you know, third-grade classroom, and you'll see a little cat hanging you know, from the tree branch, but you're probably not going to see the All is Vanity poster posted up there for all to grab a look at. But, but however, as we get to, the, to today's text, it's been placed on many a coffee cup. It's found its way onto many posters, plenty of decorations, and as we've already mentioned, it's made its way up even the billboard charts. So here in Ecclesiastes 3, Solomon is going to start by mentioning a word that we're all very familiar with. And For some of us, it's a good word. And for some of us, it's a word that kind of troubles us. And the word is time. I looked up time on dictionary.com because I'm a millennial and I had to use the .com and couldn't open a book. Uh, But dictionary.com describes it this way. It says, time is a limited period or interval. A limited period or interval. If you think about time with me for a little bit, we've all kind of struggled with time for most of our life. Like, when we were young, we wanted it to speed up, right? I remember being 10 years old and wanting to be 13 years old. I remember being 13 years old and wanting to be 14 years old. I remember being 14 years old and wanting to be 16 years old. And once I was 16, I wanted to be 18. And then once I got to 18, I wanted to be 21. And then once I got to 21, I wanted to be 25. And then once I got to 25, I didn't want to grow up anymore. But that's kind of how time is, right? We want more of it. We want it to speed up when we're younger. Those of us that are a little bit older in the room, we wish it would slow way down, right? We wish we could go back even and redo some things. We wish that it would just slow down. You know, when it's the weekend, we want more of it. But when we're in the office all week, we want a little bit less of it, right? We wish time would just go a little bit faster when we're at work. Uh, one time uh, I used to work at Lowe's and and I was a department manager in the lumber department and uh, one of the services we offered there was uh, wood cutting. So people would go up to the saw and they'd ring the little bell and we'd have to go back and cut their plywood for them or two by fours for them or whatever they wanted cut, we would go back and cut it. Well, one day it took me a little longer than, than usually did to get back to the saw and as I got there, there was an older gentleman there and I said, hey, I'm so sorry for the wait. And he looked at me in the face and he said, you know what, young man, it's okay. He said, I got more time than I got anything else. And I said, what? He said, I got more time than I got anything else. And he began to explain to me that he had recently retired and, and that he now just didn't know what to do with himself. He had more time than he had anything else. And I remember having that conversation with him and wanting that to be true of me, that I could, that I could get to a point in my life where I'd say, man, the, the thing that I have the most of is time. Because I remember those days at Lowe's, everything was hurried, everything was rushed, everything was go and go and go and get things done and then get home and then get things done there and then all in order to do it again the next day and things were so rushed and his words, I got more time than I got anything else, just rang and rang and rang. But you know, now that I'm a little older, as I stand before you, I'm, I'm 35, I turn 36 next week and I know that what that man said is not true. listen. What's true is that that man simply didn't have more time than he had anything else. He simply didn't have a schedule. You see, he has just as much time as any of the rest of us. He just didn't have a schedule that demanded where he'd be and when he'd be there. Which, don't get me wrong, sounds really, really great. <laughs> sounds nice. But the, the, the issue is that he didn't have more time than any of the rest of us. You see, he's given 24 hours in every single day. He's given 60 minutes to each hour. He's given 60 seconds for each of those minutes. You see, the difference is, though, the difference in the time that we all have, though, is how we spend it. The difference in the time we have is how we spend it. We all get the same amount. It's just how we end up using it. And Solomon begins Ecclesiastes chapter 3 here in this, this first chunk of the text by making a list. And in this list, Solomon is going to list out some times or seasons, if you will, that we will all experience. So as we think about our time and we think about the seasons of life and uh, as even as we think of the seasons outside today, we wish it would actually be spring and that Ash would do something about it and make it better. Uh, if you don't know, Ash is our local weatherman who controls the Quad City weather here. And so if you're upset about the cold or the lack of heat, just hit him up about it and let's see if he can get on that. But anyway, that was free. Solomon is going to give us a list of times or seasons. And these times or seasons are ones that, that we're going to become well acquainted with. Whether you're young in the room and you're still kind of figuring out uh, life and time and how it works, or, wh- or whether you're older in the room and you're well acquainted with how time works, we're going to become acquainted with all of the things listed here as we live and breathe on this earth. These, these things that Solomon's going to list are times that we maybe some will enjoy and we won't want more of. And then other times he's going to list here are times that are going to be hard and that we would altogether rather avoid. As we get into it, though, I want to I just maybe give us something to look forward to in this text. As we're reading this today, as I stand before you, I want uh, to make maybe just a bold statement and say to you and myself that it's impossible for us to experience full life apart from these events taking place in our life. And it's impossible for us to experience full life apart from knowing the source of these times and seasons. You see, that's going to be a thing that we're going to hang on to as we walk through this this morning. So it's impossible to experience full life apart from these events. And it's impossible to experience full life apart from knowing the source of these events. You see, in the list that Solomon's about to walk us through, he finds parallels for every season of life. And as I walked through it, I think the problem with the list is that I often try to treat this list as a buffet. Right? We are Americans, and we've become very familiar and like buffets. Right? Think about even our missional community setup. It's a buffet setup. Right? I'd rather not have the fake cauliflower cheesy potatoes tonight. Right? I'd rather have real potatoes. Sorry for anybody that made the cauliflower cheesy potatoes. Somebody made that at my missional community last week, and I haven't gotten over it yet. Um, but we're familiar with buffets. Right? I grew up going to Golden Corral. It was just where we went. Right? You could get a salad or you could get steak. You could get ice cream before your meal. You could get cobbler. Like, we just love buffets. And it's just kind of the culture we've grown up in. And we like buffets so much because we know what really makes us happy. And what really makes us happy is to pick and choose what we want, to have control over what comes into our life and what goes. Out of our life. So as we look at Ecclesiastes chapter three this morning, let's look at kind of the buffet that's listed out here for us and, and just walk through it a little bit. I'll give you kind of my take on the buffet. Okay? So we get to verse two in Ecclesiastes chapter three, and it says, A time to be born and a time to die. Now as we look at that, like I like birth a whole lot more. Then I like the prospect of death. So I'm going to pick birth. Okay, That sounds good. I've got a little uh, baby girl in my house, so I'm still kind of familiar with that stage and, and watching the joys of her growing up and all that. So I'm going to pick a time to be born. Okay, Then we move a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. Okay, My wife loves flowers, but I also know that my wife does not like to plant flowers. So we're going to pick here a time to pluck up what is planted because it's way easier just to cut off some roses than it actually is to go in and till the garden and, and, and fix the soil and prune it and do all that stuff. And Schnucks has a great variety that I do not own in my backyard. So a time to pluck up what is planted. That sounds good. Okay, then we get to uh, verse 3. A time to kill and a time to heal. I think most of us would find ourselves on the the healing side of things. We like it when things are made well. Uh, We like it when injuries heal up or when sicknesses go away. So I'm going to pick a time of healing. Then a time to break down and a time to build up. Now my kids would probably be on the breakdown side of things because that just seems to be the season of life that they are in. Right? Like Everything just gets broken. Whether it's phone screens or whether it's little Jenga towers that they build up throughout the house, like they're in that season. But for me, like as I'm getting older, I'd like things to heal and I'd like to actually like to be able to function the way I did like ten years ago. Okay. I like things to heal. Let's keep going. A time to weep and a time to laugh. I love laughter. I think you've probably maybe seen a little bit of that already this morning. I'm gonna pick a time to laugh. Okay? A time to mourn and a time to dance. Now, something you may not know about me is I grew up Baptist, so this dance thing is really hard for me. I'm going to pick dance, but I want you to know that not too much. okay? Just a little bit, and probably in the privacy of my own home. Okay? If you see me out, do not take pictures of it. But I, I like to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. I don't really know what's going on there, so we'll just skip those. Um. <laughs> a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. I'm all about the love. Let's hug it out, right? Let's, let's embrace uh, and let's do that. Okay, a time to seek and a time to lose. It depends really what we're talking about here. If it's weight, I'm all about losing. Okay, if it's, if it's something else, if it's, it's money or something like that, I'll probably go seeking, right? That one, so that one's kind of up for debate. A time to keep and a time to cast away. Uh, any of us with a garage knows that there comes a great time to cast away, right? There's a time to get rid of things. But most of us, if we're honest, myself included, I tend to hold on to things. I want to keep them. I want to remember them. I, want to, I always talk myself into believing that I'm going to come back to that thing that's broken and fix it. So we keep it. Okay, a time to tear and a time to sow. Uh, I'm not a real good sower, but I like the idea of it better than tearing. So I want to sew some things together. I want to fix some things. Again, kind of back to healing a little bit there. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. Uh, I think you've probably seen from me a little bit already that I I enjoy speaking. Uh, I will tell you, though, I am in a little bit different season. Uh, I started a new job about uh, six or seven months ago. And as I was meeting with the general manager, he looked me in the face and he said, You're very chatty. (laughs) And I was like... Yeah, I'll stop doing that, you know, and so I, I, I'm in a mix between this season here, but for most of us, we find ourselves on that, right, at the buffet here, like, man, there's times when I like to keep quiet, and then there's times when I love to have a cup of coffee with a friend and just chat, right, and just, just figure life out, and a time to love and a time to hate, I'm going to pick the side of love there, uh, I just think it works a little bit better, and a time for war and a time for peace, I'm all about peace. My personality does not lend itself well to war. I don't like doing it. I, I, I like the comfort uh, of peace. Uh, and I think you've seen that as we walk through that list. And, and as I look at that and as I pick and choose the things I like off of there, that seems to me like a very well-balanced life. If, if I have the ability to go in here and pick and choose, yeah. I think that's balanced. I think that's good for me. I think that I'll do well under those circumstances. If, if, if things are continuing to be born and my wife has flowers and I'm, I'm healing things or things around me are healing and uh, I'm building things up and I'm laughing, I'm dancing occasionally, not too much though. Uh, I'm, I'm not knowing what to do with the stones, I, but I'm embracing uh, I, I'm losing a few pounds but I'm seeking things that were lost I'm, I'm casting away things that I don't need any longer but I'm keeping things I'd like to come back to I'm, I'm sowing I'm, I'm learning when to keep silent but I'm also having a good time speaking and I'm loving and I'm having time for peace like that's good for me that's a good life I would love. I would. I would like that. I would enjoy that. I think you would probably enjoy me a lot more if that's the way that my, my life went. And and all of us probably have a different version of the buffet as we just read through that. There's some of you that are in a different uh, area of life right now, or a different stage of life right now, and you're like, no, I'd rather not dance because my hips, they're just not, you know. Mm. So, but there's just different seasons that we all find ourselves in. But here's the problem with doing what we just did. This list here is not necessarily a buffet. But this list is the ingredients to life. If you and I are going to live a full life, this is the list of ingredients that we will walk through. Any of you that are bakers in the room know that the ingredients matter. And you know that you can't just go about like, taking things out or adding extra things in without a consequence or without something different taking place there, without the recipe uh, maybe being soiled or coming out the wrong way. Uh, my, a friend of mine named Dustin, who's in my missional community, uh, used to work uh, at, a, at a restaurant, and they were famous for meatballs. And Dustin was the meatball maker guy. Uh, he was in like high school, so I'll give him a little break once you hear the rest of the story. But Dustin would go in early before everybody else would come in. And uh, he was supposed to add a tablespoon of salt to the meatballs. Uh, But this day, Dustin uh, wasn't thinking clearly and added a cup of salt to the meatballs. And uh, it didn't turn out well for him. Um, And it didn't turn out well for those meatballs. And he got in a lot of trouble. And uh, I bring that story up to you, though, to say that When you and I try to short-circuit the process and just pick and choose what we want to add and what we want to take away, there may be bigger consequences of what we've seen coming. For Dustin, he lost a job and they lost a batch of meatballs. For us, the consequences may be much, much more than that. But as we read through this, these are the ingredients to a full life. And as we get to the very end, actually, Solomon does something unique here. And as he says, a time for peace, he kind of agrees with Pete Seeger a bit, the writer of of Turn, Turn, Turn. The Hebrew word for peace here is shalom, signifying wholeness in every area of life. So Solomon's telling us here, you will walk through these things, and because of it, you will be a whole human being. You will experience full life. Solomon's telling us, as you are out and about in life, you will experience beginnings and endings. You will experience crying and laughing. You will experience feasts and famine. You will experience war and peace. And you will not escape these things. No matter how hard you try to live in a bubble, you will not escape these things. And I think if most of us were honest about it, we've seen life be this way. As we look back over the years of our life, we've seen life be this way. And actually, if you want to go just outside of our life and go all the way back and take a look through Scripture, it's been this way since Adam sinned. It's been this kind of inevitable sameness and monotony to life. This inevitable uh, cycle that we find ourselves in today is nothing new. You see, we work all week to get to the weekend just to go back to work on Monday. We celebrate life today, but we may very well find ourselves at a funeral later on in the week. We finally uh, get out of one war with our children and we turn the corner to find ourselves fighting another battle. You see, Solomon's words ring very loudly. All is vanity, chasing after the wind. So I know this has been very upbeat up until this point. But the question that that kind of this, this section raises to us is, what do we do with it? What do we do with the seasons of life? How do we battle the seasons of life? How do we experience full life in the midst of these times and seasons? And I want to suggest just two things to us, uh, for us this morning. Again, I did grow up Baptist, so I should have three points and probably a poem. But I'm going with two because uh, I know that it's not the type of church we're in anymore. But two things this morning that I think will be helpful for us. One is this. For the believer this morning, do what you know to do. Do what you know to do. You see, we often find ourselves getting stuck in anxiety and doubt and fear and worry about what lies ahead of us. And what happens when we get stuck in those patterns of life is we get robbed of full life. We get robbed of joy when we find ourselves in in anxiety and doubt and fear and worry. We get robbed of the fullness that God may have for us in the season that we're living in right now. So there's a story that I came across about St. Anthony. And it tells of a time when he was restless with life. And in this time of restlessness, he was bored and he was anxious and his mind was wandering constantly. So he did what every good believer would do. In his trouble, he prayed that God would rescue him from it. But for days, nothing came. He was still anxious. He was still bored. He was still letting his mind wander. And he had no relief. But one day, as Anthony was out for a walk, he came across a man who was sitting and doing work in his garden. And he sat down on a park bench nearby and just watched this man. Like, first like creeper ever, right? Like, He just watches this man doing work in his garden. And then the man did something interesting. He stood up and he prayed out loud. And he sat back down and began to work in his garden again. And after a little while, he stood up and he prayed again. And he sat back down to his work. And after a little while, he stood again and prayed and he sat back down. And this went on and on and on. And upon seeing this, Anthony felt God telling him, Do this too and you will be cured. Do this too and you will be cured. You see, Anthony recognized the, the way out of his own way was to do the work that he was supposed to be doing and pray out to God often. Do the work that he was supposed to be doing and pray about it often. I've been reading a book uh, lately called uh, Recovering the Wonder. Recovering the Wonder. and It's a book about um, really how sometimes we as human beings have the, the tendency to kind of get bored with the things of God For those of you that have been in church for any number of years, uh, there kind of seems to be a sameness or maybe a familiarity with church and you just kind of come week after week or you do the things midweek because that's what you've been doing for so long and we just kind of lose the wonder in it. And this book was just talking about kind of ways, not tricks, but just ways to recapture the wonder, ways to kind of reorient ourselves back to uh, the way it used to be maybe. And the author of this book uh, listed something called breath prayers. And what he said was, throughout your day, there needs to be times where you and I will just kind of take in a deep breath, just a, and as we breathe that out, just kind of praying scripture back over ourselves, just praying scripture back over ourselves, and kind of reorienting our life back around the gospel. Uh, one of my favorite passages of scripture has been uh, for years, First John four four, and it says, "Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world." And as I found myself at work, this, this has just been the last couple weeks for me. I've, I've, I've felt myself doing that. And actually, a couple of my coworkers are here today, so I still don't want to talk too bad about my work. But anybody have like an annoying coworker? Just somebody who grinds on your nerves? Yeah, none of you do. It's just me. So there, there are some times when there are coworkers in our lives, right, that just kind of grind on us, that just wear us out. And in the midst of that, I, I have tried. To find myself doing this. In fact, I called my wife in the, in the midst of it one day, uh, and she did the great thing that all wives do. Uh, so I was talking to my wife, and I really wanted her to comfort me and tell me that everything would be okay. And I called her and told her about what was going on, and she said, Yeah, what do you think God's trying to tell you? And I was like, No, 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 no. that's not what I wanted. I just want to like complain to you right now. It's a season of this, right? Like, this is what I want. And she said, Yeah, but do you ever think God might feel that way about you? And I was like, no, 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 stop, stop. Like, that's not this. And, but what she was telling me was absolutely true, that, that my frustration with my coworker was probably much like God's frustration with me and my inability to kind of pull it together, right? My ability to um, be, be good at what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, as I've been walking through these, this breath prayer, it's just an opportunity for you during your day to slow down, take a breath in, And reorient yourself back around the gospel. That's free. That's not necessarily what Solomon's talking about here. But there are things that we as a believer can do during the day to help us do what we know to do. To help us reroute ourselves in the gospel so that things don't get too far derailed. So things don't get too far off track for us. And I don't say that uh, this morning as an opportunity for you to kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. What I am saying is this is an opportunity for you to reorient yourself in the gospel. For your root system to grow into that rather than into your anxiety and your fear and your doubt or your upsetness at your coworker. It's an opportunity to dig in. And listen, as we walk through this, what my wife was really telling me in that situation was to be present where I was, to not try to escape what was going on, to not try to push away from what was going on, but to actually press into what was going on. Why are, she was basically saying, why are you so annoyed by this person? Why are you wanting to run away from it so badly? Why are you not pushing in? Why are you not helping? Why, why do you want to run away from this? And, and as, I, as I say that to myself, I want to say it to us today as well, no matter what season or time you find yourself in this morning, I want to encourage us to press into it to dive into it, to actually be present in it, to not necessarily keep looking for what's coming next or not necessarily look for the way out, but to actually press into the moment because this season isn't an accident. That's exactly what Solomon is telling us. It's the time or season for it. It's going on because it's the thing you need to experience in order to live full life. It's the thing you need to maybe experience the one who is giving you this time or season. So, do what you know to do and pray often. I kind of wrote a little list of things out here so to make this a little easier for us. So do what you know to do and pray often. So those of you that are in that stage of diaper changing right now, change those diapers. For those of you that are in a season of maybe filling out reports at work, fill out your reports. Drive that forklift bag those groceries, sell that product, talk to that person, have that conversation, and and all in the midst of it, keep your eyes on the one that has brought you to this season and call out to him often. So as you're doing the things that you're doing, do them to the best of your ability and cry out to the one who's brought you to this season. Call out to the one who's brought you there. And then the, the second point this morning is this, press in to God. So do what you know to do and press in to God. If you will, let's jump back into this text this morning and and look a little bit more at what God has for us. So jump down to verse 11. Because verse 11 of our text actually offers us the hope necessary to do this. It says in the beginning here, there's actually three parts to verse 11. We're going to go through them just piece by piece. It says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Now most of us want to stop right there and hang on to that uh, bit of scripture because that's good for us, right? But there's a time that you are living in right now that only God can make beautiful. My, my tendency when I read something like that is to say, I'll make it beautiful. I'll be the one to fix this. I'll be the one to get myself out of it. But this passage of scripture here, this text is telling us that God is the one that makes this time or season of your life beautiful. That's why we can actually press into this season of life because God is the one that's in control of it. God is the one who does what is good, right, and perfect and fits all things together for his glory and for our joy. It's not necessarily our work that's going to make this thing beautiful. It's in God's timing and it's in God's plan that he makes everything beautiful in its time. You could see this going all the way back to creation when God cries out to the nothingness that there was and says, do something, and then all of a sudden we see, trees, and water, and plants, and animals, and humans. He makes it beautiful in his own time. And the seasons that you're walking through right now, or the season that you are walking through right now, God is the one that's going to make that beautiful in his own time. Let's look at the next part of the text here. It says, he has put eternity into man's heart. You see, we can press into our season knowing that God has brought us to it, and knowing that God excuse me, knowing that a better season is coming. God is going to make everything beautiful in its time, and he has put eternity into man's heart. God has given us a vision for the future that's, that's bigger and better than what our vision for the future is. If you think about our vision for the future, it's really uh, most of the time just a, about temporary, maybe fleeting things like better stuff, well-behaved kids, uh, a better job, or maybe just a better paying job. Or it's just it's temporary fleeting things, but Scripture here is telling us that God has given us a me- much uh, better picture for where we're headed. That built into our DNA, that, that built into every human being uh, is the knowledge of eternity. For us that sit here as believers this morning, we know that this season that we are in is not the end. That God has built within us knowing that eternity is coming. We know that this may be season of of diaper changing or this season of filling out reports or this season of driving the forklift or this season of bagging groceries or this season of selling the product is not the way it's going to end. It's not the way it's going to always be. You see, because eternity is built into our DNA. This is why... People all around us desire to make the world a better place. People that even don't believe in Jesus or don't believe in the gospel have a desire to make the world a better place. You'll see them out cleaning up the streets. You'll see them serving at homeless shelters. You'll see them uh, serving in in some type of children's uh, home or something along those lines. It's because restoration is hidden in our roots. Things being made new and things being made better is hidden inside of all of us. That's why deep down, most every human being has some type of desire to do good because there's a desire for restoration in us. Some people just don't know what to do with that. So we serve and we love and we care and we reach out because we know something is broken. For the believer here this morning, we know eternity is coming and we can live life looking forward to that. Knowing that this will not be the stage stage of life we will be in forever. The person here this morning that isn't yet a believer, this text is letting you know that there is a better future available than the one you're currently living toward. This text of Scripture is letting you know that the reason why you want to do good things is because you were actually created to do good things. And you were created to be in a place with one who does everything good, who does everything well and perfect. You see, this season that we are walking through should drive us to a source outside of ourselves for answers and for comfort. But the last part of this uh, verse 11 here is the part that we really, really struggle with. The reason why we don't often find ourselves going to a source outside of ourselves is because of the end of verse 11. Let's look at it. It says, Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So we started with, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has put eternity into man's heart yet so so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Listen, he's saying here that there is a struggle about you and I, and the struggle is that we cannot see the end yet. We cannot see how things are going to work out. And this is often why you and I struggle and fight in the midst of these seasons to get away from it. Because we can't see where it's going, and we can't see what it's going toward, and we can't see how this is beneficial for us, and we want to know what's going to happen. What's really up for, up, at, up for grabs here is if we are dependent or independent. There's a theological term uh, called sovereignty. And then that's what the issue here is. Who is sovereign over my life? If I'm sovereign over my life, that means I have the ability and I have the right to pick and choose from this buffet that we read from uh, here earlier in the passage of Scripture. But if God is the one that's sovereign over my life, he's the one who brings this buffet into my life. He's the one who puts the ingredients in my life at certain times and different seasons. You see, if God is sovereign, then he is the one who's going to work all this out, and I don't have to work so hard to, to figure this out. But oftentimes, you and I find ourselves like little children. Any of us that have had children know that there's a stage of life that I like to call the why phase of life. The why phase. Anybody walked through this yet? Why, mommy? Why, daddy? You give them an answer. But why, mommy? Why, daddy? You give them another answer. Why, mommy? Why, daddy? And I really believe that there's actually only four whys that you can be asked, like four times you can be asked why before you absolutely like, lose your mind. Okay? And then we all revert back to our parents, right? And we give them the answer when they say, why? Because I said so. And that's the absolute best that we can do. But as we find ourselves struggling with who's sovereign in our life, whether it's us or whether it's God, we often become like the child stuck in the why stage of life. But why? But why? But Why? And it's almost as if today, through this text of Scripture, we can hear God saying to us, you may not have all the answers, but you can trust me because I said so. You can trust me because I'm the one who said there will be a time to be born and a time to die. I'm the one who said there will be a time to break down and a time to build up. He's telling us ahead of time, this is the way life will be. There's no secrets about the things that you and I are going to face in life. It's it's given to us right here. But when we get stuck in that why phase, we just can't find our way out of it. And all the while it seems as if God's saying, You can trust me. You You can walk through this with me. I'm going to make it beautiful. You may not understand. But I said so. Listen, what's happening here is, many of us have acted like the events of our life currently is the end of our life as if the story is over because this thing has come into our life but as you sit here living and breathing today the story isn't over the credits credits haven't rolled in your life like the movie of your life isn't over and, and we can begin to lean in and trust that God is using this season to work out his grander plan you see, we don't understand everything that's happened in our life. And, and for very many of us, there are a lot of things that have happened in our life that we just don't understand and, and maybe never will understand. My wife and I, Alicia, when we uh, first got into uh, student ministry, it was about 14 years ago, and I was young and she was young, and many of our students were actually pretty close to the same age as us. And uh, we walked through life with this young lady named Heather, uh, and, and Heather uh, got married uh, very young; she was like 19 or 20 years old, and, and Heather became pregnant shortly after uh, she got married, and it was it was really exciting. We were all happy to walk through this with Heather, and uh, about six months into Heather's pregnancy, uh, Heather's dad got diagnosed with stage four cancer. And they told him that he wouldn't have long to live. It was way beyond able to be treated. And, and, but they, they tried, and they, and they, and they tried uh, chemo, and they tried all the things to, to keep him alive. And two days before Heather gave birth to her little boy, her dad passed away. Never got to meet his grandchild. The grandchild never gets to meet the grandfather. And Heather's left with questions like, oh, I don't understand why something like this would happen. I don't understand how this is for my good. Listen, just two weeks ago, the, the owner of my company, a gentleman named Larry, sold the company to a, to a bigger company in order for him to retire and, and spend more time with his family. And then that weekend, he, had a, he has a daughter that had special needs. She passed away. Tuesday, a time of celebration for Larry, selling this company and, and going into retirement and spending more time with his family. And, and then on Saturday, he finds himself in a place of mourning. Why? He's finally to the point where he can, he can enjoy what he's worked for. Many of you in the room maybe have have walked through divorce or or, or been maybe a product of divorce or maybe your parents were divorced and it was was ugly and it was brutal and and you don't understand it. And how in the world can God work that out? How can God make that beautiful? Many of you in the room have have walked through miscarriages, myself included, between my oldest son and youngest son. My wife and I experienced the pain of a miscarriage. And I do not know to this day why that took place. I, I can't tell you. I do know that my wife has been able to have conversations with other ladies and walk through that with them. But I'm not yet finding beauty in that. I, I just don't know. Maybe some of you have experienced bankruptcy or you're on your way to bankruptcy. Maybe financial ruin is in your near future. And how in the world can that be beautiful? How in the world can God do anything with that? How in the world is this for your good or for your benefit? Maybe some of you in the room with older children, maybe you have a wayward child a kid who you raised uh, in the faith and now they've just walked away. They've turned their back on the gospel. They want nothing to do with it. Or every time you try to bring it up to them, they push away from it. They, they, they run away from it. They don't want to know anything more about it. And how, how in the world can God make that beautiful? How in the world can God use that? How is that for your good? Sam told you a little, Pastor Sam, excuse me, told you a little bit about my story before I came up here. I I was in youth ministry for about 12 years and then uh, I started doing a church planning residency and I did that for two years and somewhere in the midst of that church planning residency, uh, just the honest truth to you, I got really lazy. I just got really lazy. And because of that laziness, I ended up, the end goal of that church planning residency would would be for me to, to plant a church, to do what I believe God's called me to do and because of my laziness in the midst of that, that opportunity has now been tabled for me. It's been, I, I felt robbed when that happened. I felt like uh, like a dream had been stolen from me, like something I'd worked for for all these years was taken from me. And, and now, uh, I know some of my coworkers are here, so this is gonna sound bad, but now I just find myself driving a forklift, which is good and honorable, and it, it's hard work, and I wake up every morning and I, and I do that, but I don't know that it's what I was created to do. I don't know that, that that's what God has for me to do with the rest of my life, and I don't really know how God's working that out to be beautiful and how that's for my benefit, but I do know that in the midst of these things going on, in these midst of these seasons that's in your life and in my life right now, I, I do know that God has a much better track record than I do. When it comes to picking and choosing the seasons of life that I have walked through, God has a much better track record than I do. And for you, the story is probably exactly the same. God has a much better track record than you do. Here's the truth about me. Nobody has failed me in my life more than I have failed me. Nobody has lied to me more in my life than I have lied to myself. Nobody has promised me more in my own life than I have promised myself and failed myself. And the same is true for you. Nobody has lied to you more. Nobody has, has failed you more. Nobody has promised broken more promises to you than you. But all the while, you and I continue to go back into ourselves as if we have the answer. When this buffet comes up in our life and these seasons and times come into our life, you and I are often those who slink away and say, I can fix this. I can make this better. It doesn't have to be this way. I'll just work my way out of it. I'll talk my way out of it. I'll, I'll, I'll run away from it. I'll just change locations. I'll change something about my life. And, and all the while, it's as if God has brought this season or time into your life to say, no, 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 no. You cannot do it out your own. That's why you're in the season you're in. I have brought you to this for a reason. And it's not so you will find greater strength in yourself. It's so you'll begin to lean on the one who's brought you to it. I talked about failing myself more than, than anyone's ever failed me and breaking promises to myself more than anyone's ever, ever done that, but the, you know there is one who has never failed me. There is one who has never left me, one who has never lied to me, one who has never broken a promise to me, and he is the man, Jesus, who was sovereignly sent by God to die a death that I deserved. You see, if I was drawing up the plan, that would not have been my plan. I would have just continued to work my way out of it But God in his sovereignty saw that I needed Jesus, that I needed a Savior. And in his sovereignty, he saw that you needed this same Jesus. As you were digging deep in your self-help efforts to get yourself out of it, God sent Jesus to die a death that you and I deserved For sin he did not commit. For a man who constantly turns his back on him. Who constantly thinks he knows better. Jesus did that for you and I. And as we're talking about times and seasons this morning, I want to read to you Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. And, and listen, I'm going to close with, with this, but listen. I've said everything I've said to kind of try to get us to this point. So put, put whatever it is you're doing down or maybe wake up and li- just listen on purpose to this. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Listen, at just the right time, Jesus has come. And because he came at just that right time, now you and I can walk through the times and the seasons of our life with him. We are not left to our own devices. We are not left to figure it out on our own. We are not left to run away and try to figure it out on our own. God did not spin our world into existence and back up from it and say, good luck, have fun, figure it out. No, he's literally stepped into his creation with us and walks with us and talks with us and breathes with us and has provided us with everything we need in the midst of our seasons of life, in the midst of the, the season we find ourselves in today. And listen, this is where the end of our text in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 comes into play. It says in verse 12, I have perceived that there is nothing better for them to do than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Listen, because Jesus has pleased God on our behalf, we are now free to experience the seasons of life knowing that something better is to come, knowing that this is not the end, knowing that this is not as good or as bad as it gets, that there is something better coming for us. Our seasons of life are a story within God's story. You know, all too often I try to act like an actor in my own uh, play while all the meanwhile I am a character in a bigger story and you are a character in God's story. The seasons of life that you are walking through are not just for your benefit they're for the kingdom's benefit. They are not just for the people around you to look at and say oh That poor person, or that, I can't believe they're going through this. It's meant to show the gospel to the people we live our lives with on a daily basis. I'm convinced that's why I'm I'm driving a forklift to this day, because God has brought me to that place to live in community with a group of people that, that need the gospel. And I need the gospel. In the midst of that, as I believe it, I'm able to show it out to other people, because my story, my season of life is not just my own. It's wrapped up in God's bigger story. I know that this is not the end. Verse 14 in our text says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before Him. Listen, your life and my life will come to an end, and our story will be done. And it will be written. But the story of God and the story that God continues to write endures forever. Nothing can be added to it by our efforts. Nothing can be taken away from it again in our efforts. God has done it so that the people fear before him. The seasons and the times of life that you are walking through are for our good and are for our benefit. But it's also for those watching around us to see how gospel people respond to the seasons of life. Verse 15, it says, That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been. He's saying there again, nothing new under the sun. God seeks what has been driven away. Listen, our sin drives us away from God, but Jesus has made a way for us to be reconciled. Through his body being broken and raised from the grave, we receive new life from it. Through his shed blood, we are washed clean of our sins and made right with the Father. Today, as we come to participate in communion, we're reminded that God in his sovereignty gave all that he had so that we could be in a relationship with him for every season of our life. I want to pray over us this morning. Father, there are many of us in the room today that are walking through seasons of life that we just simply do not understand. And there are many of us that as we are walking through the seasons of life are holding on. We're white knuckling our life as if we have to fix it and we have to make it better and we're the ones in control. And yet God as we come to a text of scripture like this, it seems to be a reminder that you are the one that's in control that you are the one who has brought this season to us. And though we may not understand it, you are the one who's going to work out the details. You're the one who's making it beautiful. You're the one who's using it to drive us into you. God, as we walk through these seasons of life, for those of us that are believers in the room today, we can take a step back and we can actually enjoy our life. We can enjoy the season that we're in. Even though there may be mourning or even though we may be losing some things this morning, even though uh, we, we may be casting away some things or there may be uh, some tearing in our life right now, we can know that you've got something better for us. We can know that this is not the end. These events of our life that, that may be negative to some of us are actually giving us a better, uh, more wholesome picture of what eternity will look like where there will be no more of these things. And those of us this morning that are walking through seasons of life that are great, God, we thank you for that. And in the midst of that, we pray that you would help us to enjoy our life, that we would enjoy this season, knowing that this may not be the way that it's always going to be. God, for those of us in the room that, that maybe aren't believers today, as we look at this text, maybe we reassured that these seasons of life are real and they're coming. But there's one who has overcome them. There is one who has lived perfectly through every season of life. And his name's Jesus, and he died on a cross for us to forgive us of our sins. He raised from the grave, proving that he was God. He's offering eternal life to those who will confess with their mouth and believe in their heart and repent of their sins. God, today, may we know that, that your sovereign plan is way better than any sovereign plan that we can try to dream up. Maybe today, as we're holding so tightly to the events of our life, would you help us to loosen our grip and open our minds and our hearts to you, that you have a better plan for us, that you are seeking what has been driven away. God, I'm reminded of, of the old hymn, Amazing Grace, this morning. It says, The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope, secures, he will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. God, you've promised good to us. Your word gives us a firm foundation. You are a shield and a protection in our life as long as we're here on earth. God, today as we we take the bread and as we take the cup, may we be reminded of what had to take place for us to be in a relationship with you, for us to walk through these seasons of life with you. Thank you for sending Jesus to do it perfectly on our behalf. And as we take the bread and take the blood today, may we be renewed, may we be revived, May we we remember that eternity is coming and our life is just a vapor. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.